work with people and animals, about 50-50, who have suffered trauma and have not been able to unlock themselves from those traumatic histories. One of the things that happens when you have suffered trauma, we're more easily triggered by certain things. And for folks who are also dealing with just emotionally based trauma, but if there's a physical aspect to it, we have already been overhandled and we've been touched inappropriately or manipulated inappropriately. The respectfulness of my work and the gentleness of the work is critical. And all of those people or animals are, are always in difficult situations. It's not like they're sitting out on the deck, you know, having a Mai Tai going, oh, let's do some healing now. I'm in the mood. It's like they're doubled over and crying and there are a lot of defenses around. So you have to know how to enter that relationship gently and respectfully with people so that you can help them unlock. Hello, my name is Anne Teato and welcome to episode 24 of the Psychic Matters podcast. This week I'm talking to bodywork teacher, healer and energy worker Rudy Hunter, who is on the show to generously share his incredible knowledge, explaining how we can use certain tools to dismantle our traumatic history and speed up our ability to heal. I'm excited to be in the Psychic Matters studio today with Rudy Hunter. Rudy, welcome to Psychic Matters. Hi, and thanks so much for having me. It's a thrill to be with you. I know that you are an energy worker and you do many, many different types of work in the field of energy and healing and working with aromatherapy oils and working really with people on a whole range of different emotional issues. So I wonder if I can just ask you to explain to everyone listening what you do how you work all the kind I mean this is going to be some conversation right it might take a while (laughs) (laughs) so do begin and let us know who you are and what you're about happy to well my practice evolved from uh, a very level-headed sensible straight-ahead practice I used to be a bodywork teacher which meant I was working on bodies, animal bodies and people bodies, lifelong animal lover and ex-dancer and professional magician. So the story is that I started magic and dancing when I was a kid. And during a performance, a dance performance, I wrecked my back. I dropped from a piece of scenery and that was the immediate end of my dancing career, which I'm only now just getting over being angry about. So I was led into very unusual rehab. I'm from England, grew up in Toronto. So I was living as a very broke dancer in Toronto, you know, being fabulous and eating beans and ramen and trying to scrape by. And I didn't really have any money for proper, sensible, level-headed rehab. I did a couple of weeks on muscle relaxers, which was fun. And then I was left to my own devices. So I was crawling around on all fours in my apartment, crying a lot and in a lot of pain. And a friend of mine said, well, I know this lady who takes groups of strangers. She rents abandoned office buildings and she has them roll around on the floor in slow motion for three hours. And I thought to myself, great, that's after you drink the Kool-Aid and just before you're kidnapped and killed. And then he said the magic words, oh, and the classes are $10. I said, I'll go because 
That was about the budget I had at the time. So that was my first entree to alternative body work. It was a Feldenkrais class. And at the end of the very first class, I had such a substantial level of pain reduction. The magician in me said, I need to learn everything in creation about whatever the hell I just went through because it's like magic. And that set the trajectory for me, not only slowly rehabbing my back, but becoming a bodywork fan. I'm still a big fan. I take bodywork classes to this day. I went on to become a bodywork teacher, and I managed to study with some of the best people out there uh, in the world. I was very fortunate. So I went on to teach bodywork skills, uh, hands-on healing skills to nurses, acupuncturists, lay people, Worked on a lot of dancers, a lot of my friends. And we live in the country, so worked on lots of goats and sheep and dogs and horses and you name it. And I thought, this is this is it. I'm, I'm good at these mechanical skills, much to my own surprise. And I still feel like a magician doing them. So I thought, well, this is it until I'm dead and gone. This is what I'll do. Until my lovely partner, George, helped me take a hard left turn. He introduced me in Manhattan to some of the the then current underground weirdos. I call them the members of the tinfoil hat brigade. These were deeply crazy people with outfits and get-ups and they could do what I could do with years of training and bodywork skills, but they could do it at a distance on people and animals much faster than I could. And my head nearly exploded. I thought, I don't know what that is, but being a magician, I have to know everything about that and I got to figure that out. So very slowly, my practice carefully moved from sensible to now completely insensible. <laughs> and I entered the woo-woo territory and now I'm firmly entrenched in it. And I'm, I'm happy to tell you, I, I'm, I have a very bustling private practice. I work with people and animals, about 50-50, who have suffered trauma and have not been able to unlock themselves from those traumatic histories. My practice is busy and I'm wrecked with guilt about it because it's, it's hard for people to wait a long time to work with me. So what I do aside from my private work is I run an awful lot of smaller group events and classes um, remotely so that folks can get access to the work that they need because I have a traumatic past myself many times over and I know that the waiting is awful and up until a bunch of years ago, there were no kind and gentle and effective tools to help people get out of trauma without them going back to relive it again and again and again. And in my books, that's repunishment. And I don't do that with people. So many of the tools that are on my sites are free. They're available to everybody, but I also work with some subgroups. I work with a lot of uh, military vets who suffered terrible PTSD prisoners. I also work with um, sexual abuse survivors. Um, that's in my own history, so I know the territory well. And ironically, I've just started to work with a few perpetrators as well. That's a gnarly, surprising twist in my own practice. But I work with folks for whom... They've either been on a regular trajectory of healing or an alternative trajectory or a mix of both. And whatever they're doing has either stopped working or has dropped off in its efficacy. They've hit a wall somewhere. That's my perfect client because I know what that wall is. Um, we can talk about that if you want. And getting people unlocking that place 
gets them right back on track and it actually speeds up their ability to heal. So God, that's a long-winded answer, isn't it? It's like taking forever in a day. No, that's really, really interesting. So would it be right to say then that through Phil and Kraus and then the people that George introduced you to, you have created your own methods of healing and energy work to use on people? Yeah, very much so. I was a prolific magician. Um, I published about 40 books and DVDs. By the way, if you're ever, if anybody who's listening is ever suffers from insomnia, if you Google Rudy Hunter and go several pages in, you'll see me doing card tricks and those I guarantee you will put you to sleep. Um, I must look those up. That sounds fun. Good to know. It's also the only time you'll ever see me wearing a suit. Yeah, I developed a lot of material because it was important for me to figure out it wasn't just enough for me that woo-woo worked. I needed to know the mechanics. And then when I discovered by paying lots of attention to what happens when people undergo this kind of work, because it's, it's gentle, it's invisible, it looks airy-fairy. And, you know, there's a bit of that, but there are mechanics to how and why it works and how you, for example, work with somebody. I do a lot of work with packs of dogs in Australia and Italian racehorses and folks, well, folks all over the world. So there are mechanics to getting synced up and hooked up with people. And all of those people or animals are, are always in difficult situations. It's not like they're sitting out on the deck, you know, having a Mai Tai going, oh, let's do some healing now. I'm in the mood. It's like they're doubled over and crying and there are a lot of defenses around. So you have to know how to how to enter that relationship gently and respectfully with people so that you can help them unlock. Can we go back? Cause I'm really fascinated about the packs of dogs. I mean, <laughs> but let me go back first. If I may, you began by talking about Feldenkrais method and I've seen it written and I know it exists, but I don't know what that is. Would you, can we start there and then expand from there? Yeah. Absolutely. I'm, I'm a big fan. It's, it's Feldenkrais. I'll spell it for everybody because it's a bit of a nightmare to Google. <laughs> it's F-E-L-D-E-N-K-R-A-I-S. It was developed by um, an, an Israeli judo expert called Moshe Feldenkrais. And it's, a, it's an amazing bodywork system that uses motion and the limbs to reteach the brain neural plasticity. Now, that sounds like the $100 explanation. Honestly, it's rolling around in slow motion and paying spectacular attention to differences. And it's a way of working very directly with the nervous system. So the reason I love it is because it literally saved my back. And I discovered that every time I do this work, it's done in two ways. You can do it for yourself, which is thrilling. And then you can have somebody do it on you as a, as a bodywork discipline. Both are great. Uh, I've done it for years. I continue today. As we're recording, I just booked a bunch of great Feldenkrais sessions with a new practitioner I found in Kuala Lumpur. So thank you, Zoom. <laughs> so you can do it online. That's amazing. Indeed. And it's, it's a way of getting access to the nervous system, which is one of the huge control panels of how we heal. That's a big control panel. The other big control panel, and there are a few of them, but another big control panel is the energetic system and then the meridian system. If you can 
access those three things respectfully, and they all need to be talked to a little bit differently, you can usually unlock even long-standing what I call glitches in the system. That's a, a very non-technical way to explain trauma and a history of things going sideways. And I see on your website, somebody was talking about how gentle it is and how results are what counts and how great the results are. Can you say a little about that? Those are all my biases. So I've had lots of awful rough and tumble body work and left different modalities crying (laughs) or feeling beat up. So I'm not a fan of those. One of the things that happens when you have suffered trauma, and anybody who's listening who's suffered trauma knows this inside out and backwards, we're more easily triggered by certain things. And for folks in my category of stuff and who are also dealing with just emotionally based trauma, but if there's a physical aspect to it, we have already been overhandled and we've been touched inappropriately or manipulated inappropriately or you know you can you can do all the the other calculations of what that's like so the the respectfulness of my work and the gentleness of the work is critical even if we flash back to the 80s ah the 80s good times uh mostly We were all back then because psychotherapy said the only way to get through a trauma is you relive it, relive it, relive it, and eventually it loses its power. Now, that happens not to be what happens when you relive something over and over and over again. What actually happens is that generalizes and you substantially increase your resting tone of hypervigilance, which is a fancy way of saying it gets much worse and it gets pervasive into other areas of your life. So unless we come at this in a gentle way and we can unlock it around the mind, because the mind, even though I have a fairly strong mind bias, anti-mind bias, the mind wants to run all shows. It especially wants to run the show that we are locked against, which is you know our big trauma we've had or our big 20 traumas we've had. So the mind will interfere and be very much like the monkey mind it has the reputation of being. So there are a lot of processes in my work that go beyond the reach of the mind, so the mind can't throw a spanner in the works. How does that work then, that goes beyond the reach of the mind? Well, the mind, the mind's mostly a liar. Mind's good for a bunch of things. Don't get me wrong. It's good for driving. It's good for balancing the checkbook. It's good for making adult mind rational decisions and a few other things, but it's not good at anything else, but it will lie to us and say that it should have the final word on things like our intuition, our insight, (laughs) our natural knowingness. Now, that's so ridiculous, but the mind has a really good, it has a really good set of convincing strategies for us. So we can take different part we can take our awareness to different parts inside us and give them control where the mind can't reach i should probably demo this because otherwise it's just theory and theory is nice at a cocktail party makes me sound very clever but uh theory doesn't get you anything well it sounds great i mean it'd be wonderful if you could demo it do you want to do that now or in a bit let's do that so and we'd, we'd never prepped anything, but I want to use you as 
the person we're going to demo on for this, but I'm going to make an excellent. Let me tell you all my traumas. <laughs> that, well, that, 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 we're going to do something called secret therapy. Okay. <laughs> which is uh, what I'd like you to do. We are going to stay completely 100% out of content, not only for your privacy, but as important for everybody else who's listening, they're going to do this for themselves while we do it for you. So we're not going to talk about what the trauma is or any of the specifics, because that's the story and that's the dominion of the mind. The mind just lit up and went, oh, good, we're going we're gonna to dive into the gooey crap. It's like, no, we're not. So here are the really simple, sane rules that keep this out of mind's control. So you're going to you're gonna pick one traumatic event, not every time my brother hit me for the last 30 years, that's 500 events. You're going to pick my brother hit me last Tuesday and it hurt. That's a single event. You'll pick a single event. You're going to give it either you're going to give it a title that's either a word or a number or a color that has nothing to do with it whatsoever. So it might be called strawberry, or it might be called 742, so that all of us are forced to stay out of content so we can't hallucinate. All right, so I want you to just give it a title for me first and tell me what the title is. The title is Banana. Yes, we have no bananas. All right. <laughs> So everyone playing our home game is going to come up with their own title. And then the most important thing we're going to do is we're going to use a zero to 10 scale. 10 is I need to drink a bottle of scotch and then I'm calling the ambulance to take me to the institution because I can no longer deal. Zero is meh, it's no big deal anymore. So banana in your case has to be over a five. Because if you pick a two or three trauma, it'll drop. It'll be like, meh, that hunter, he's all right. I want you to pick something that's juicy enough to be over a five. So all you're going to do is tell me what the number is. Seven. Perfect. So those of us playing the home game, we've got a title and then we've got a rating. Don't skip the rating because that's part of where the magic is. So you may start at an eight or a nine and starting at a seven. You might start at a five or six. Wherever you're starting is wherever you're starting. And then the only agreement is that in this process, that's only going to take a minute or two, you're going to stay on that same event because the mind still wants to help, quote unquote. The mind is going to want you to move to a different trauma. So stay on this one. So if you will, I'm going to, I'm going to close my eyes for... 30 or 40 seconds, I'm going to make some insane mumbling noises. Your entire job is to not try and fix your trauma in the next minute. You're not trying to actively change it or manipulate it. You're just lightly putting your attention on it. Ready? Yep. Here we go. Okay, just bring your attention back. 
Now, all I want you to do honestly is look at the same event, must be the same event, and tell me what the new number is. Mm, it's still the same for me, seven. Okay, that's fine. Good. So we're going to do that again, but we're going to come at it differently. Okay. So you're focused on the same thing, still mm -hmm. a seven, perfectly fine. I'm going to close my eyes this time. I'll go silent. Be back to you shortly. There we go. And then bring your attention back again, if you were. Take a breath for me before you check your number. And that means don't think about taking a breath, but actually take a breath. Good. So you'll focus on the same thing. And what's your number? It's five, interestingly enough. Freaky, huh? How does that work? Because... Wait, we're not done yet. Before okay. you reach into your mind, which okay. is what everybody does, myself included... Because that, that's what we do. I want you to notice that there is a difference, which is true. Stay out of content again. We're going to do that last sequence again. And now your mind's on high alert. <laughs> it's like, oh, I got to figure this out, right? So that's perfect. Just keep your attention on the trauma. Here we go. Okay, bring your attention back. Same thing, don't think about having a breath. Actually, take a breath. And then check your number. Okay, so my number is 4.5. Well, that would be good in a universe where we did halvesies, but I don't do halvesies. So we're <laughs> okay. still, still going to call it a five. Okay. I'm going to do one very brief, uh, bizarre thing here. Before we do that, I want to just tell everybody, when we do this work, the outside world does not change. If it did from doing this work, I would already own my own island. And I would have my ties flown in at my whim. What it does is it changes our experience related to whatever the external world is. That's an important thing to know. So let's call your 4.5 a 5. And give me just about 30 seconds. You'll put your attention back on it. Again, not trying to change it. Just notice it. Here we go. Easy breath. This is so weird, Rudy. I'm a three now. Yay. <laughs> How does that work? Weird, right? It's like magic. It is like magic. It's uh, the, the better form of magic than the card tricks I used to do. So here's what will happen. 
that three over the course of some period of minutes, if we remember 10 minutes from now, I'll ask you again how it is, but okay. I probably won't remember. <laughs> or when we're done, or two hours from now, or in the important overnight hours during your next sleep cycle, the nervous and energetic system have the have more than the beginning, but they have a substantial opening that can allow the rest of that to drain and flatten, and that's what normally happens. And that happens safely, and it only happens at the speed that your entire system can tolerate it. So some folks, it takes two days. Uh, my, my joke is that the next day after, the morning after I've done any kind of interview, usually there are emails going, I thought you were, what you were doing was complete caca, and I feel way better today. What the hell? It usually has that kind of tone to it. Those are my favorite. Because <laughs> we all let go in the rate and speed that we let go. I'm just acting as a little catalyst to speed up that natural process. Can you explain what you did to help to make that happen? Or do you, shall I tell you how if I felt with that? I'd love to hear how you feel as long as you promise to keep content out of it. I'd love to hear your sensation. No content. I'll just say the trauma that I focused on, banana, has been with me for um 20 plus years Uh, and uh something i'm very very used to living alongside and you know and and feeling that trauma so uh when it was the same it was like uh, i didn't feel anything had really happened i i was feeling that trauma that i'm very used to and then you asked me i think then i went to uh did i go to a five after that Yes. I think I went to a five and it almost felt as if it had softened. And I don't know if it's because I'm wearing these, I'm wearing headphones, everybody. They're quite big um, studio head uh, cans, but it almost felt as if my head was slightly separating from my body where the trauma seemed to be held in my chest area and it felt softer. That's what it felt. And when it went to 4.5, I felt a resistance to letting go of that trauma because I'm so used to it. It's part of me now. Yeah. And so it's lovely to feel a three with that trauma because it feels such a relief. It feels such a relief not to carry that. That's how what my experience was. It's beautifully described. Just keeping us out of content, do you still feel a residue in your chest, just out of curiosity? Interestingly, yes. It feels warm, almost um, hot. So you're you're not going to say out loud the answer to the question I'm going to ask you, but our listeners at home can do the same thing. When you lean into that experience in your chest, notice the first face that appears. Somebody pop up? Mm-hmm. Right. Keep your attention on their face for me. Easy breath. Tell me what your sensations are or what changes. What changes for me is um, my understanding of that person. Beautiful. We have one important piece to do here. I want you to locate by squeezing your shoulders together, your shoulder blades together, locate the place between your shoulder blades. This is a place energetically that when we're betrayed or energetically stabbed in the back or things go wrong, this is actually where we feel it. There's a big cluster of energetic portals here. So you, you can relax and wiggle around just so you know where that place is. 
I want you to put your attention now to where that is between your shoulder blades. So keep your attention there. And I'd like you with it, you're not puffing yourself up. I want you to put your attention on your actual value and worth and keep your attention back there. Here we go. And if a way to say that differently is your actual power or sense of self. So keep your attention between the shoulder blades. Okay, one more breath. <sighs> That's one of my favorite sounds. So what was your experience? My experience, well, this is all fascinating because thank you everybody for indulging me in a, in listening to this process, but hopefully it's very helpful for everybody listening. I felt very powerful in that moment when I put my focus on that space between the shoulder blades. And there's a particular area that I go to. And interestingly, all my life, some of my friends know this, I have always had this huge fear of being stabbed between the shoulder blades in that exact same space. What a dink! <laughs> so it was really interesting changing that feeling of fear where that's been held all these years since I was a child, since before that trauma happened, I've had that, ex that fear. And then transferring that and transforming that into power and uh, strength. Yeah, that's amazing. Good. What are you doing when that's happening? What? 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 How does that work? Are you the, able to explain it a bit for anybody? Or a bit. The easy breezy answer is that when I was a young man, I became fascinated with the meridian system. That was sort of my first entree. It's, that's the map that acupuncturists work from. That is at least 6,000 years old from Asian medicine. It's the, the roadmaps for where the needles go. And I have obsessed and obsessed and obsessed about learning everything that I can. I mean, I've, I've actually taught a few acupuncturists some of, some of this work because I have to talk to somebody about it. Um, I do actually also train practitioners in some of my work. That info is on, it's called Ashwork, and that's on a site for those folks. That's the ashworkerstraininghub.com, which is too long a website name. So if we can move congestion in specific parts of the energetic or meridian system, we not only get access to the freedom in those areas, but we automatically, because it's natural, become more integrated and more harmonious when that's released. And that's true of most modalities. You know, if you, if you take a tight muscle knot that's cranking up your entire system and you're walking with a limp and you feel miserable, when that gets released and lets go, there's a very global kind of effect. What I'm most interested in is how global can we get? So most of the work I do with clients are these kinds of processes, very short processes that deliver the maximum amount of freedom that's possible. I used to give clients years ago, I've been working with people a very long time. <laughs> I, 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 I'm always a little afraid to do the math, but I think I've worked with folks for 35 or more years. So I used to give folks back in the day tons of homework because I presumed that they were excited as I was once they had a taste of freedom to 
go and do the 47 things I would give them. And that turned out to be a terrible mistake. And the older I've gotten, the, the simpler this work gets. It gets deeper and simpler. And most of the time that we work, because they're some of the big blocks that people are never taught how to navigate in their life, are unlocking the chronic long-held emotions that create strong physical interruptions in their life. One of my favorite things, because it's a little scandalous to talk about, is when folks hold on to remorse and resentment and guilt, they actually, in my opinion only, um, although years from now, medical science will go, yeah, it turns out Hunter was right. They create a shift in their bloodstream that produces biological poisons, produces acid, which, are, which is the exact building block for diseases and disorders that neither of us want and nobody wants to deal with. Because as kids, we weren't taught how to, and we weren't practiced in how to have these emotions come up, dismantle them, and allow them to leave. Instead, we store them. So we create an acid environment. It's not just metaphorical. It literally erodes us. You show me an angry person who's been angry for way too long, I will show you a diagnosis waiting to happen, and it ain't pretty. And then there are subgroups of that. You know, you show me bitter people who complain about everything, they get a different kind of problem than the folks who are explosively angry or or implosively angry. That's much more dangerous. Yeah, I mean, it's true. We're not taught how to deal with trauma. That's very true. And we should be because it's obviously something we everybody experiences. You can't live life without experiencing trauma. So why aren't we given the tools as children? Yeah, I, th- I think it should be taught immediately after recess when you've had the crap beat out of you. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. that's, that's just me. But uh, yeah, way back when... Uh, would have been a the, the entire trajectory of my internal experience would have been much friendlier if I had had those tools. Uh, do you teach your methods to anybody? Are you a teach? You pass this knowledge on? I do. I teach a lot of different courses. I teach the formal healing course that I have called Ashwork. Those are folks who want to do that specific work. But I am I think I'm more teacher than healer because it's so important to me personally that folks grab one or two or 12 or however many they want skills for this kind of internal navigation. Because not having them, part of why I make so many free tools available, uh, I made a vow years ago. I used to open and close my practice back in the day. I would... I'd open my practice, uh, make all the mistakes you can possibly make as a practitioner, get really, really angry and frustrated and close it down and then bury my head in the sand. And then I'd get the itch again and then I'd reopen it. So that's an exhausting pathway I don't recommend for anybody. I made a vow the last time I reopened my practice and it has stayed open that I would put into the world floating billboards, free tools, videos, articles, what replays, audio tools, because we need those things. We need it not only when we can't get to our sister-in-law who we always talk about bad stuff with and she makes us feel better because she's on holiday or we can't get into the massage therapist because they're closed this week. Or it's my favorite is it's three o'clock in the morning. We're having a meltdown. Who are we going to wake up? Uh, nobody. 
or you're going to wake up somebody once <laughs> and never again. So we need these, even if we're highly functional folks, even if we we seemingly have it all together, and if we don't, because in my books, part of my outliving for trauma was the compensation patterns I had. I was, I was for a very long time a, a horrible sufferer of OCD, of obsessive compulsive disorder, bad. And it was escalating and I was scared. So, and that, I mean, that's just one of the things. There, there's lots of other murky crap. Uh, people look at me and go, oh, you're so together. It's like, ah, you should have seen me a few years ago. What a mess. But I, honestly, I love messes. I think if we're not messy and sticky and if we don't fall down, if we're not, here's one of my favorite stories. I work on a lot of animals and I used to make house calls. Uh, I live in the country. So house calls here is, you know, uncle Jed's goat sick. Could you come over? That sort of thing. So I, I did a house call. George and I drove just down our, our country road a few miles to work on a, work on a puppy who had a bizarre condition, this gorgeous little puppy, never forget him. Uh, and I've since gone on to work on much more severe cases. This is a happy little puppy, but he could not bend his rear left leg. It was straight as a board. And as I usually do for those things, I sit on the ground, I grab my bag of tools, my oils, my brushes, my leads, my chew toys, all the stuff to distract a puppy with so that I could manipulate him and work with him. And he was wonderful. And it became very apparent to me very quickly that I couldn't help this puppy. And I tried everything I knew. And I found myself in, in the puppy owner's house, sitting on the floor, having a complete breakdown in front of them. And when I tell you no one wants to see this big blubbering mess of a man hunched over a puppy crying uncontrollably, I'll never forget it because after I got over the embarrassment of that, I realized that I can't help everybody I want to. And I understand very completely the big hearted types of folks that I teach. Part of my agenda is to get more of those people stable, confident with skills so that we can have more of us in the world. That's really my secret agenda is to get more of us helping in the world. But I think it's great if you're a big hot mess occasionally and you don't have it all together. It's, uh, that thrills me. There's a, the realness and the honesty is beautiful in my, in my world. There's always something to learn, isn't there, Rudy, from an experience like that. We can't just go on being perfect and everything working perfectly around us. Otherwise, we don't learn anything. That's true. Oh, and by the way, update on the puppy story. The vet who finally had to do surgery, I got the message back that nothing anyone could have done would have corrected without shortening the tendon and the leg. So I felt relieved, you know, on the mechanical side of things, but I'm so glad I turned into a big blubbering puddle because it's a, it's a good, you're right. It's a good memory of learning for me. Yeah, it's interesting. And Talking about animals, so when you were working with me, you were asking me to vocalize my new number of choice. So how do you work with an animal who can't communicate in that way? How does that work? That's easy and fun. Uh, they'll either bite your face or lick it, uh, and you get really good at quickly moving your head out of the way in case they want to bite it. And you always have to, all the animals I work on these days are not generally happy Fido 
sitting in the living room having a good day. Most of them, most of the ones I work on have come from an extraordinarily bad background, the details of which I'll spare you from because they make me cry. So we're already starting with this baseline of you have got to be gentle and respectful or I'm going to take your face off. So that's the that's the beginning part. So we meet the animal exactly where they are. We use our eyes to see the changes and the changes show up in animals usually even faster than people, but it shows up in how their gait improves, the sense that they actually give off. An animal in fear smells very different than a happy animal. And you can you can actually track those biological changes and their manner and willingness to be manipulated or touched or to move into you. It's funny, most people think it takes great discernment. It's so easy because the animal makes it so obvious. Like, oh, you're not going to hurt me anymore, and you're helping me. Here, let me get closer to you so you can rub this part. It's, it's, a very, uh, it's very eight-year-old. <laughs> yeah, oh, it sounds absolutely lovely. And did I think I saw on your website that you you had treated was it llamas and chickens yes llamas chickens dolphins donkeys i don't know what it is about maybe it's maybe it's the christopher robin stories i i was read as a young young man but love the donkeys all kinds of animals i do a tremendous amount of work with dogs i think they're sort of my favorite go-to but Horses, cows, goats, you name it. Oh, that is just so beautiful. So just to recap for people, they um, going to your website is an absolute joy. Do make sure you've got some time, people, because on Rudy's website, you will find so many different things. You've got free audio tracks there. You've got videos. You've got all kinds of resources to help and assist. What is the name of your website? Well, there's three of them. There's uh-huh. rudyhunter.com. Then there's huntershealingcalls.com. And then there's the, the, healing, the uh, healers training website, which is ashworkerstraininghub.com. And my, my joke is, oh, and the, there's also uh, the aromaguys.com. That's our essential oils website with uh, my partner and myself. Folks, if that's too much, just pull up a search engine, punch in my name, and Everything is designed to get you to one of those places to start your treasure map tour around. That's great, Rudy. Thanks. And I will have show notes for this episode on my website. So anybody has wants oh. to find out, they can go to the website and pick up all the links there to, oh. to lead them straight to your door. Tell us about the Aroma Guys. 22 years ago, my partner George and I, uh, George had a client who was relentless, uh, bless her, and she came at us hard and kept saying, you got to try this essential oils. They're fabulous. They do amazing things. And she would not give up. So honestly, to make her leave us alone, (laughs) we said, look, we'll get some oils, but here's the deal. We're going to get these. We're going to go away for a couple of months. And we honestly, we will try them on the people and the animals that we work with and we'll see. And uh, that's how we buggered ourselves up because we put them on people and animals we were working on for whom we had done everything. who were not making good progress. And the only line that we endorse because we've had such miraculous stuff happen with it is the Young Living Essential Oils uh, line. And to this day, I'm staggered by how effective they are 
across the species line. You work on people, animals, they even work on your brother-in-law, which is remarkable. And 22 years in, this thing we were trying not to do because we thought it was too girly or too smelly or it just wasn't us, turned out to be us completely because it's a very expedient way to get people what they need. And what's the website for the Aroma Guys again? Uh, that's aromaguys.com. Oh, that's pretty easy to find. Yeah, that, that one that one was short and smart. <laughs> <laughs> and from your website, people can order these oils? Do you ship uh, across the world? or They are shipped from Utah mostly, but uh, they are available throughout the world. The website ordering is not the best way to do it. In order to get our backup and support and expertise with people and with animals, uh, folks need to become part of our group. So the best way is to contact George because he handles the mechanics of, of getting folks started. They email him. We have a conversation about, you know, what a good way for them to get started is, what it is they need. So it's very, we're, we're very attentive dudes. We, we think it's important that if you're going to explore a new modality, you get what, you get the things that are going to help you the most, whether you're doing it for your cat or your dog or your horse or your, yourself. Uh, we think that's pretty important. Yeah, that's great. And so if somebody wants to come and see you, Rudy, to have a a session with you, I don't even want to call it a healing session. It's kind of it's so unique, isn't it? This 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 Yeah, it's pretty yeah. unique. The private sessions are in very short supply. Um, but I run a lot of different group events and some of the group events are open for whatever folks are dealing with and others are themed around certain important things like some of the some of the emotional work we talked about like I do a lot of work with with grief and resentment and you know all the cheery stuff the stuff that we're all holding on to that we don't know how to process or or we're awkward with processing so folks come and do that work and those are usually on recording so that it's not a one and done because we're, we're all living here on planet earth and your car gets dinged and people haul off and give you the finger or say bad things, or you have a bad day. So those are tools that are always freshly available. So folks can lean into them. That's wonderful. And so it just leads me to just think of another question before we finish. You're, dealing with people or talking to people or treating people who have suffered trauma or that they've had various things going on in their life. And we at home might not be treating people as you are, but sometimes we talk to our friends who are going through a trauma and stuff. How do we stop ourselves and how do you stop yourself from becoming affected by the energy of the other person? Oh, that's such a great question. The most important skill set that I teach the folks who I'm I'm teaching my work to, it's twofold. One is confidence, because we all think we're somehow not good enough to help somebody. Ha <laughs> ha, nothing could be further from the truth. But the other part of that is uh, Rudy's crash course in boundaries, which I wish was a 20-minute spiel, but is not that short. Boundaries are the most important thing, whether you're helping your sister-in-law over a glass of wine or whether you're working with, with a survivor of something awful. And I can tell you that learning boundaries for me has been a long process. That's why I opened and closed my practice so many times because I would get slimed 
and slimed and slimed. And then I would go, oh, I'm, I'm lying on the couch. I might as well just close my practice because I've been done in. I let in, I, I was trying to carry other people's stuff instead of actually showing them the way out and through. My analogy for this, for boundaries, is when you're having a problem and you fall into a hole, what you need if you're in that hole is someone with a rope or a ladder and a map. And the map is even more important than what gets you out of the hole. That person has to know where you're going. There are, there are, or I don't know if they're still around. They probably are. There are old forms of psychotherapy. My apologies to psychotherapists listen, listening. Where one of the fundamental tenets was that the client knows what they need and can lead the way out. What they need on the way is support. And it sounds wonderful. And it's total rubbish. Because when we are wounded by falling into the hole, when we are pulled out of it, we are still not, if you'll pardon the pun, whole, W-H-O-L-E. We're still wounded. We're still carrying the memory of that accident that pushed us in the hole. How can we be expected to then navigate to a place we've never been before? So one of the things about boundaries is it's our job to be gentle. My bias is I I want tour guides like us to be gentle and to lead people to a place that they can't access on their own. It's not for forever. And in fact, uh, I'm very strongly against practitioners of any kind who create for forever relationships with their clients. I want to get people on their own two feet, stable, happy, functional, moving forward. And then, you know, they can send me postcard and they can send me 10 of their friends. That, that'd be a good deal. But it's most important that they have the tools they need to get to a place of stability first. And in that process as practitioners, because I know, I know practitioners are, are very quick to carry everybody else's luggage because I used to do that a lot. That's a recipe for magnified suffering. And when we're in a place of magnified suffering, what we can do to help a client diminishes and diminishes and diminishes. So the boundaries, which always feel awkward, are critical. You watch a good parent you get a taste of, oh, that's love with edges. It's beautiful. And that love with edges makes a functional, self-reliant, fabulous child. It actually helps the child become more of who they are. And it's the same thing we do for dogs. I never wanted to train my dogs. I want dogs to live in my house and then, you know, run the show. But when you see a well-trained dog, you see a dog, once they are trained, they relax. It's remarkable. And we slowly figure that out as people helpers, that the rules are good as long as they're kind. That's really beautiful. Thank you so much, Rudy. It's been absolutely wonderful talking to you and listening and learning about the work that you're doing out there. Thanks so much, Anne. I really appreciate you and what you make available for folks. It's a total pleasure. And I hope one day I'll get to meet you in person. Absolutely. Can't wait. Wonderful. Thank you for coming onto the show. Thanks. Well, that was Rudy Hunter. What a 
fascinating guy. And whatever you do, make sure to go and visit his website where you're going to find loads of free goodies and incredible free content that Rudy has created, especially for you. All resources for this episode, including all of Rudy's website URLs and his social media links, plus a full transcript of this episode, are over on my website. So do head on over there and you can pick everything up at www.anteato.com. A-N-N-T-H-E-A-T-O.com. Now, please, please, can I ask a favour from you? If you are really enjoying these podcasts and feel you're getting a lot out of them, this is really important. Please, could I ask you to leave me an honest written review on Apple Podcasts? Many thanks to all of those listeners who've already done that. And I'm so, so appreciative. But if you haven't done it as yet and you're finding this podcast helpful, please do take the time to leave me a review because it really helps to move the podcast up the charts, which in turn reaches more people, which in turn hopefully helps more people too. Thank you again to my wonderful guest, Rudy Hunter, and to all of you out there who are listening and learning and developing. I really appreciate you. Have a fantastic couple of weeks, everybody. Stay well and stay happy. And until next time, my name is Anne Teato, and thank you for listening to Psychic Matters.